You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Thank you so much for coming out this morning. Just to mention, just want to ask a question. If you have joined our church since the lockdown, so March uh, 2020, wasn't it? End of March. If you um, watched our church online from 2020, March 2020, and then joined our church since then, just lift your hand up so we can see who you are. If you've been in here over three years from that time on. Anybody else? Come on, let's thank all these people for coming and being a part of us since lockdown. God bless you. And also for those of you who have been here before lockdown, come on, a big, big celebration for you. Still being here, faithful. And uh, just a quick building update. Keep praying. This month is really, really important. We're, we're not far off the finish line. Uh, we need planning approval. We need favour with the insurance companies. And we need to make some agreement with the utilities companies, which use the electricity from that site. So a lot of work's been involved. I think we've raised with Gift Aid around £144,000. So come on, thank you so much for those that have given. And uh, by the first week in February is a planning decision. So we are excited with fear and trembling because we you know, see what God is going to do. So keep praying. It's important that you're praying. We want God's will to be done for us. And then loads of parking, loads of room, because things are getting a bit tight with room. Uh, so come on, Lord, let your will be done. Amen? Amen. In fact, let's pray before we preach. Father, we just commit this building to you again. And uh, Lord, there's been loads of prayer, a lot of sacrifice, Lord, in giving. And Lord, there's a lot to do. But Lord, we say, if you've opened this door, Lord, then we pray that no man will close it. So Father, we ask you as we take steps forward in faith, that Lord, that you would make our path straight. Let your will be done. And if this place is for your glory, then Lord, we will take possession of it. Lord, this year, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay, our theme is Mark's Gospel. So I was saying in the first service that I thought, oh, do you know, the first Sunday back, we need a really good anointed message like, you know, a bit of fire in it, Donna. You know, uh, really go for it. And do you know something? Like three or four days away from Sunday, I got nothing. I'm panicking. My biggest nightmare. Shall I tell you what that is? I panic really bad. I tell you when I have a nightmare, that is I get up on Sunday morning, I've got nothing to say. I like thought up here thinking, Lord, I hope that never happens. That I get up to preach and I just don't know what to say. Thank God. God sometimes comes lastminute.com um, with a message. And, uh, and it came in, a, in an extraordinary way. I thought, okay, I better start and do some digging. Because sometimes you just don't get revelation. You have to dig. You have to keep going until something happens. And so I thought, right, I'll get a commentary and just read the outline of, of the Gospel of Mark. Get to know a little bit about him. And uh, see how we go. And I read like some of the most boring stuff in the world. But out of that came some revelation of how we can manage our life and be fruitful. Just some of it. So let me share that with you today. Did you know Mark's gospel is the shortest gospel? Mark, after you go, we knew that. But some of you would say, I didn't know that. 
So Mark's gospel is the shortest gospel out of all the gospels, but yet Mark's gospel was the first gospel which were used by the other writers of the gospels. So Matthew and Mark uh, used Mark's gospel as a primary source for their gospel in their book. And so it says that Matthew has 90% of Mark's material in, in the gospel of Mark. And Luke has 40% of Mark's gospel in the gospel of Luke. And so all of the writers stick to Mark's order of events in Jesus' life. Yet, when you read all the Gospels separately, they bring some light to different things. You know, Mark doesn't even talk about the birth of Jesus. He just goes straight in with the kill that he's a son of God and starts to talk about his miracles, his wonders, and also about his humanity. And so when we look at that, we can see the background to Mark's Gospel as the foundation has given us some foundation of the life of Jesus. It, they say that it was written before the destruction of the temple in AD 70 and it's possible that it, it was while Peter was alive. Some commentators say it might have been when Peter was martyred. And so the audience that Mark wrote to was a Roman um, Christian audience. This is important for us. He wrote in mind with Christians who were from Rome. And so I want to encourage you today, so how can we glean and, and try and learn some principles from Mark's life and from how he wrote his gospel? And so Mark himself is identified throughout the scripture as John Mark. I don't know when you read the scriptures, you go, John Mark. That is the Mark that wrote the book of Mark. And he was a Jewish Christian. And it says that, that he was likely a convert of the Apostle Peter. And his mother was called Mary. And in, Acts, in the book of Acts, she's found there opening her home to have Christian fellowship. So it's good to have some background about the influence that this young man had. So what's the first thing that we can learn from Mark and the Gospel of Mark. Well, the first thing is, if he is a convert of Peter the Apostle, it's so encouraging to know that Peter's ministry continued when he died. Because Mark continued the ministry of the Gospel. Mark continued where Peter finished. And so what is the first principle for us? It's this, that we have to fulfill our ministry, but yet at the same time, we've got to make sure that we include others so we can impart our faith to them so they can continue what we start. And sometimes in church life, it can be all about, well, my personal ministry or my this. And, and you're so focused on trying to get better and sharper and manage your gift and get involved that you forget that there's other people around your life that you can include and impart some life to them so then they can continue your ministry. See, sometimes there is a threat that, oh, you know, they'll take my ministry. No, they will multiply your ministry. We've got to change our thinking and we've got to make sure that when we're finished serving God, that our input and inclusion to other people in our lives will, will do something greater for God. 
And so I want to encourage you, even in your workplace, you know, some of you are wanting promotion, some of you want in that position, and you are threatened by some people in that workplace. Don't get threatened. Come on, make room for them, and God will make room for you. Because when you you begin to operate like an orphan, when you want to keep everything to yourself, but you've got to begin to operate like your father, who opens up and goes, you know what, I'm not threatened by your gift, and you might get the promotion, but I am confident enough that if I make room for you and not be threatened by you, that God will make room for me. Because that's the spirit that we need to operate as followers of Jesus. And so at the same time as we develop our own ministry, Make sure you are giving room for others to get to glean off your experience or to give them room into your area so you can help develop them to do greater things than you. You know, the goal of our ministry should be to help other people go further faster than ourselves. Is that right? You want your children, if you've got kids, you want your kids to do greater than you, don't you? And so in the kingdom, we should be looking out for each other, encouraging one another. But some of the obstacles that we can see through Scripture is that jealousy can kill that. You know, when when Saul saw David's potential, he didn't encourage him, he tried to kill him. And in church life, sometimes that can happen. Have you seen it? If you've been around church long enough, if somebody's going to take your role, I'm going to spear you into the wall. I'm not going to give you any room. And so we can't have a jealous eye on people's potential. Potential. We've got to make sure we have an encouraging heart and spot looking out, spotting for potential. Absolutely. And sometimes people can't see the potential in their own lives and they need godly people, people who have a heart to see people released into ministry, recognising the gift on people's life and letting them know about it and giving them room to explore it. But if we if we be keep kind of keep everybody in a box and you know if 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 you if you if we let you out, I won't have a ministry. That is absolute. We can't operate like that. We've got to be bigger than that. You know, competition will kill that in us. I think it was the two disciples that that they were all the disciples were saying who's the greatest. Jesus is about to go to the cross, and they're talking about who's the greatest. Nothing changes, does it? And so like Jesus is going, oh, how long am I going to be with you lot? Because you just don't get it. You're talking about who's going to be the greatest and I'm going to die for you. And so, you know, he says, if you want to be great, then you've got to be a servant. Jesus had to drop, make the penny drop in them that greatness is about servanthood, about others. And so when God gives us a ministry and a gift, that gift is for other people. It's not, to elevate you. And your gift will make room for you. But that gift is for others. That's why God has gifted us differently. You are the body of Christ. Not one of us has got all the gifts. You know, I might be a mouth, but I'm rubbish at a foot. You know, but that's the only gift I've probably got. But you've got loads of things that God hasn't given me and you have to use it because without that, we do not fulfil our potential in the things of God. And so title and position can get distorted. You think, if only I get that title, then, I, then people will respect me. No, they won't. People only respect you if they know you love them. You're, in your workplace, if you've got a boss that rules you by title, you know you don't like them. But somebody that cares for you, you'll follow. The only reason you follow some of your bosses is because they pay you. 
See, in church, it's voluntary. And if you think you're going to get a title in church and people are going to follow you, you've got another thing coming. Because you have to, we have to get respect to be followed. Not respect because you're a hierarchy. It's because people know that you care about them. And when they know you care about them, they will do a lot more for you than just your title of authority. So now, titles and authority are important because it helps the job. Amen? So what I'm saying to you is, you know, I can imagine the other disciples saying to them, I want position Jesus. You know when you go into your kingdom, yeah, yeah, you know, he's about to die and they're bothered, but can I sit at the right and left? He's thinking, what? You want to sit? He says, you don't even know what you're talking about. And so he dismisses that. We, we want God-given titles to make our servanthood more effective. Not to be boss. Not to lord it over. Not to be a dictator. Not to, not to be driving people, but leading by example. And so it's important that we make room for people, that we can grow ourselves. Definitely think about your own gift. Are you developing that? But also at the same time, that you're making room to impart the little that you know to others and go, do you know what, have a go, see what happens. You can do that. Looking out for one another's grace on each other. Because a lot of the times, we can't spot it. I remember preachers telling me, on the day of Pentecost, they couldn't identify their own flame. It was on the head. They couldn't see their own flame. They could see the flame on each other's head. And sometimes we can't see the flame that God's placed in the heart, but we can recognise it. And we have to call it out of people and say, hey, did you know that you're good at that? Did you know that something's attracted to that? And do you know, it just brings us alive. If we could do that this year, we would flourish as a church. So Mark later then grow, uh, joins Paul and Barnabas, who is Mark's cousin. And there was a big dispute. How many of you read that in Acts 15? Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them. So they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company and Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Two things that you're going to experience trying to serve Jesus this year. Number one, that someone's going to let you down. See, Mark let Paul down. That's why he didn't want to take him with him. He was going, I'm not taking him with me. Last time he said he was going to commit, he didn't turn up. And so there was a massive big argument. I mean, these are two godly men. The Apostle Paul and Barnabas, the encourager. Two godly, amazing church leaders. But they had a proper fight. A real one. So much so, they had to actually separate. And uh, I bet you've been in church long enough, you've seen some fights in churches. I mean, they're the best fights, aren't they? Hey, God help us. And, uh, and then we end up people leaving the church, you know, big dispute, or one sits in that corner and the other sits in that corner. Uh, and then they, they, they worship the Lord not looking at them like that. I mean, God help us, please, Jesus. But do you know what? It happens because it's life. But yet they had wisdom enough to say, if we don't separate, we're going to kill each other. And so they, they moved away. And I want to say to you two things. You're going to let somebody down and somebody's going to let you down. And also, you're going to have conflict somewhere this year in the body of Christ. And it's important how we manage it. That's the reality of it. But we have to learn to manage these things if we're going to make it together 
in the kingdom. And so what I like about this story, when you see them separating and Mark you know, went with Barnabas and Paul said he's not coming with me. Years later, we read in the, gospel, in the, in this, in the New Testament that Timothy, uh, Paul asked Timothy, can you bring Mark to prison to help me? I'm thinking, hold on a minute. You didn't want him to go with you one minute and there's a big fight. And now you're asking Mark to come back and help you. What happened? You know, Mark and Paul got good at reconciliation. If we're going to do really well this year in the church and serving God, we've got to get better of reconciling, of apologising, of forgiving one another. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? If we're going to get better this year, we've got to learn to forgive. You know, if Mark would have harboured bitterness in his heart, he would not have finished his ministry well. But yet, because he dealt with it in his heart, he was able to go and serve Paul. I just think that's lovely, don't you? And also something happened in Paul's heart because he invited him. Come on, I might have made a mistake. Then in fact, I've forgiven that now. Come on, that's the past. But come on, Mark, would you be willing to help me? And good enough, Mark, big on you. He was willing to put your disagreement and hurt aside and disappointment and say, Peter, uh, Paul, no matter how much you didn't want me then, I'm coming now. That just shows the bigness of this young man who made the difference. And we're going to have to do the same somewhere this year. You're going to have to do it outside of the church as well. You're going to have to be big enough to say, okay, you may have hurt me two months ago, but you need my help right now. I'm going to help you. Might not be your best friend, but I'm going to help you because that's love. And so if we're going to grow and do all that God wants for us, you have to understand you're going to make mistakes. People's going to let you down. But we have to learn. Yeah, we're going to have to sometimes separate, but also learn to reconcile. I just think that's really healthy. And one of the ways that we can learn to reconcile, Matthew 18 gives us a good outline. It says, you know, if your brother sins against you or your sister, go and talk to them. Don't put it on Facebook. The greatest thing when you're offended is you want the world to know. Is that right? Why? Because we're hurt. And the only way you think you're going to hurt them is put it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and just put some little sly comments just to get back at them. But you know something? That's ungodly. And it will, it will, it will cement a root of bitterness in you and you'll, be, you'll sort of immobilise your future. So, so resist the social media plug. Uh, okay? And... Separate, let your heart get healed, give yourself some room to breathe and then go and talk to that person who upset you and just say, look, be honest with them and say, look, the intention of this meeting is to reconcile but you did hurt me, so can we sort it out? But please don't go and just put all their dirty washing over social media because you wouldn't like that if it was you. So let's learn to approach reconciliation and offence godly the right way face-to-face, in-person, eyeball. Because you know the biggest arguments comes from a text message that you, you misunderstood. Anybody sleep in the balcony? How many of you misread a text message? Come on. I think, I'm going to kill you. And then when, they never even meant it. It wasn't what they meant. So you can't, you can't gauge somebody's reaction by a, a text message. 
That's why Paul says you need to go to them and sort it out. And so there's another little, I would say, a gem for us because you're going to run into that, I'm telling you. Mark's gospel is a theological proclamation to a particular audience of God's good news. He arranged and adapted historical material that he acquired from his sources. So here's what we can learn from that. All four Gospels are communicated to four different audiences. And so what we have to learn as a church and as individual Christians, we have to learn to sort of manoeuvre with our message to who we are communicating to. You know, it's, it's fine to get the Bible out to one person and quote Isaiah, but to another person, they might not need the Bible, they might need a different kind of approach. So Jesus went into the synagogue and opened the scrolls and he spoke from Isaiah 61 to the Pharisees who were familiar with the law. But then when he went to the sinners, he talked about farmers sowing a seed. He didn't use the Bible, he used parables. Why? Because he'd learned how to communicate and land the good news because he understood his audience. And if we're going to be effective of being witnesses, we've got to gauge who we're trying to communicate this amazing good news. We don't change the good news. We just make sure we make it land to help people understand it. My, my request to our church this morning was, let this year not make it difficult for people to come to God. Please don't do that. The Pharisees tried to do that and Jesus had to re rebuke them all. And make it easy for them. That's why Jesus communicated in the language they can understand. And so when we're thinking about all our ministries, we think, who have we got in the room? But not only in the room, who are we trying to reach? And so we have to think outside of our box. If we're going to reach Northampton, then who is in Northampton? Who's in our church first because we want to give life to you? But then who's online? Because that's another audience that we have to begin to adapt and think about. It's really messed the preachers up. Any church that goes online now, and God bless you online, any church online, it's messed them up because they've got to think of another audience they don't even know. So there's loads of times that I've, people's come up to me and go, and call me by name, and I go, I don't even know who you are. Well, we've been watching you for three months online. I'm thinking, oh God, I hope it was okay. But you don't know where people's coming from. You know, Zacchaeus went up a tree from a distance to see what Jesus was doing. And there's loads of Zacchaeuses out there climbing TVs to see what our church is like. But we've got to have somehow wisdom how we can connect with them. We do not dilute the message, but we make sure that we can communicate it in a way that they can go, ah, oh, I understand that. Just like Jesus did. Just like the four gospel writers did. So who are we trying to reach? We're trying to reach anybody that God's going to send to us. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every age. It doesn't matter, you're welcome here. And so we as a church have got to make people welcome. We all can do that. That's a language that we can do by our body language. A nice smile, thumbs up, and just make people feel welcome. And then as the rest of us do our job, we've got to make sure that what we are doing, listen to me, what we are doing is helping people take one step closer to the kingdom, not further back. And sometimes church can make people go 10 steps back. So our goal is that when you invite your friends that doesn't know God, when they come here, they go, didn't think church was like this. Too many people smiling. Do you know what I'm saying? 
And there's light, something's happened, something's happened in their spirit. Life is given through the worship and through the word and through their welcome. Something has imparted to them that they're going, this is different. That's what we want to do as a church. We need to be attractive for Jesus. We, we don't want to turn any more people off from church. Why? Because you're the church. Remember, when you leave, you're the church. And Paul says that you can be an aroma of death or aroma of life. Come on. So I'm praying that when you go to your workplaces, that you're aroma of life. People are glad that you're turning up at nine o'clock or whenever it is. They're so glad that you're a part of their team. And that's what we need to be as witnesses. Paul says, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I love that, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. We always want to create an encouraging environment, welcoming to attract people to Christ. Now, finally, his source was from Peter. He heard him preach, personal a relationship with Peter and his conversations. I'm sure that he wrote down some of his messages. And uh, he also attached himself to Paul and Barnabas, two godly men, two great ministries that was attached to Mark's life. And so he also carried within the, the units of oral tradition from that circulated in, in the early church. As I was reading the introduction to that, I just thought to myself, well, Mark, you was a smart man because you surrounded yourself with smart people. You know what? Mark's theology came from his relationships. My question to you is that who are you around and who is imparting theology to you? Who do you listen to? Who is mentoring you? Because he allowed Paul, Barnabas and Peter to mentor him. And out of that came the Gospel of Mark with the knowledge of Christ and the experience of God and I'm saying to you th this morning, if you're going to be sharp for 24, make sure you're getting some godly input. Make sure you've got some people sharpening you because iron sharpens iron. And the Bible says, if you want to be wise, you need to walk with the wise. Listen, if you're walking with fools, you're going to end up being a fool. Say amen. amen. Just want to know that you're listening. It's so, it's so true though, isn't it? It's so true who you hook up to, who you allow to speak into your life or shape who you will become. And as you go through the description of the outline of Mark, it says that Mark emphasises more on Jesus' actions than his teaching. Oh, we love deep Bible studies, don't we? Come on, anybody look, likes deep teaching? But you know, deep teaching is not enough. You need action. So Mark's emphasis is teaching's good, but we need, to, we need some miracles. <laughs> we need some manifestation of God's power. Amen? So you can have an amazing expositor. Like, you know, we're, get, we're getting a little bit different today by doing a, an outline of Mark's gospel. But let me tell you something. Paul says, when I came to you, I did not come with just persuasive words. But when I came to you, I came with a spirit's power. And we need the power of God with the word of God that will change people's lives. So we believe in miracles in this church. We are a Pentecostal church. A Pentecostal church means that we believe in the power of the spirit. 
that he can save and heal and deliver and set free. So we want sound teaching, sound doctrine, but we want the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We, need to, we need the works of God as well as the Word of God. And so this year I'm praying that more miracles will manifest through you, not only to you. That you will see the manifestation power of the Spirit in your workplaces. That people will get healed. That people will get delivered. That you'll have words of wisdom and the gifts of the Spirit will operate in your life. Because God has given you the gifts also of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, knowledge, miracles can manifest through us. So we want to be grounded in the Word. But we need the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Some of you need that in your life. Some of you are worded up to the brain. But you need a breakthrough. And you need the Holy Spirit encounter with God. How many of you want a, an encounter with God this year? You know, the Apostle Paul knew the word inside out. But it was the encounter of Jesus that changed him. Now you must get into the word. But we need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for you right now. If you want an encounter with God this year, just, just raise your hand. Because I do. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is true. We thank you, Lord, that everything in it is to help us live a life for you. And we know that in that word is the truth of salvation. But Holy Spirit, Lord, you're, you're here by your spirit. You are here by your presence. And Lord, we ask this year that you would manifest your presence in an unusual way. We ask for miracles, signs and wonders, Lord, to manifest through your church, through your people in new ways. Lord, I pray, Lord, for visitations of the, of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, for personal encounters. Lord, would you increase your presence, Lord, in your people and in our lives. Lord, I thank you for past experience. But Lord, can we have a fresh one? Can we have a fresh visitation in 2024 of you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. You know, guys, this world's sick of people talking. Politicians are great at it. We need the power of God. We need God to turn up because he can do something in, in 10 seconds. It will take us 10 months. Of course, we're going to stick to the word. We're not going to move from that, but we need a move of the Spirit. Amen. This world has to wake up to the things of God through his church. And so Mark boldly announced that Jesus, the Son of God, confirmed by the Father, affirmed by demons and by the Roman centurion at his death and by Jesus himself. Mark pens all this, you know, because he understood something about Jesus. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. I was speaking to a Muslim guy yesterday um, about faith and he, he was surprised I was a minister. He even had to go on the computer to look on our church to see if I was telling the truth. Uh, and, and he was praying for me and saying, Alan, I want to pray for you. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. And we started to talk about Jesus. And uh, he was saying, you know, well, but do you pray straight to God? I said, yeah, but we think Jesus is a God. I said, that's what the difference is between us. I said, do you think he's a prophet? I said, it's a good start. And then I shared my testimony with him. And uh, he just sat back in his seat and told all the, all, all the other guys in the work environment, he, he, he's a pastor. He's a pastor. 
But he's more than a prophet. He's God. He's God. And Mark knew that Jesus was more than a prophet and a teacher. He was God. Guys, if we're going to make a big difference this year, you've got to know that Jesus is God and he's all-powerful and all-knowing and nothing is impossible for the God that we serve. Come on, church. We serve the God above every other God. He has all power. He has all dominion. And let me just say this. He has the last word. Come on. This Jesus has the last word. I don't care what has been spoken over your life and over your future. Jesus has the last word over his church and over you. I don't care what you tell yourself, but Jesus has the last word over your life and over your future. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the name that's above every other name. Come on, think of all the names in the world that his name is above every... This is the God that we serve this year. This is the God that is for us. This is the God that said, I'm going to be with you. This is the God that said, I'm going to fill you with my spirit and empower you. And you will do greater things than me. Come on, that's mind-blowing. Mark knew his God. But he also knew that with his authority, he knew how to manage his authority. And then he depicts Jesus as the suffering servant. He said, this, this amazing God left heaven to come to earth to serve humanity by dying on a cross. Wow. Great authority, but great servanthood produces the kingdom of God. You know, as God brings opportunities for us this year, greater influence, greater impact. I said this morning that God is going to give us a greater towel not a bigger head. When God opens a door of opportunity, it's not so we can make the headlines. No, it's to give us more responsibility to serve people. And that's why it's going to cost us. Because God wants to give us a bigger towel so we can wash the feet of those that are not even in this room who doesn't know him. So Mark says he is God. Remember he came as a servant. And Jesus said, I don't want you to be like the leaders of the day who lord it over people, who manipulate people, who control people. But I want you to be the servant of all and serve and love because that's the way I do it. And then finally, stand with me as we come to close. <clears throat> Mark, throughout his gospel, even though he shows us Jesus and his power, authority over demons, let me just say this, if you're, if you're feeling oppressed in your life, if you're feeling there's a spiritual attack, let me tell you, Jesus Christ has given you authority. There is no demon in hell that can stop you from doing God's will. Every demon that Jesus came in contact with, he told it to be quiet. 
didn't give him any breathing space in their life. And when you are going to do God's will, let me tell you, don't get naive that the devil wants to stop you. But let me tell you, he's given us authority. The demons have to bow in the name of Jesus. Jesus not only had authority over demons, he had authority over the elements. And Mark depicts his power, that he is God. But also, Mark shows us the disciples' humanity and frailty. At the same time, showing Jesus' emotions, his compassion. He had tears. He wept. He was distressed. It shows all the disciples' mistakes. Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Put that on God channel. Next week, he goes and betrays him. And come on, worship team. Why? Because God wanted to show his church that we're not supermen and superwomen and we're going to make mistakes. But apart from all that, Jesus was shown in Mark that he's totally committed to his church. That his love is always running after them. And no matter where you are today in your life, no matter what you're facing tomorrow, whatever you've gone through for your past, I want to tell you that Jesus is totally committed to your present and your future. That Jesus is going to stick closer to you than a brother or a sister. That when anybody else walks out of your life, he is ready to walk in. He promised to never leave you nor forsake you and he is committed to you more than you are committed to him. When you want to run away from him, He's running after you. That's the kind of God that we serve. I want to tell you that. He could have let Jonah go, but he thought, I'm not letting my boy go. And I want to tell you, if you're thinking about running this year, don't waste your time, because God will catch up with you. And I'll tell you what, when he does, do you know what he will do? He will just love on you. And the only thing you can do is come back because of his love. I want to tell you that he who started this good thing in your life, he promises to finish it. You might think, I'm packing in. No, you're not. God is not going to let you pack in. You think, I'm not going to make it. Yes, you are, because God is committed to you. And I finished with this this morning. Do you know that you are worth it? Do you know how valuable you are to Jesus? And you look at your life right now and you go, I'm not valuable. I just didn't do enough last year. I don't do this. I don't do that. And I made a mess of that. Listen, how do you know you're valuable? Because he gave his life for you. It cost him everything for you. And he is committed 100%. Paul said, I know I've gone through some stuff. Shipwrecks, beatings, imprisonments. But I know this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, how much more along with him will he not give you all things? I want to leave you with that note today. No matter what you face this year, your Jesus will not leave you. Your Jesus is your best cheerleader.
Your Jesus will help you do what you can't do in 2024. Father, we are delighted that we serve the true and living God. We are delighted that we've come today and we don't serve a God that is dead. But we serve the Lord Jesus Christ who rose from the dead and is alive forevermore. And we welcome you in this room, Lord. We thank you that you love us so much that we can't grasp it. We thank you, Lord, that you stick closer to us than anybody in humanity. Lord, you will see it through. You will see it through because we are your treasured possession. Lord, would you bless your people today? Would you let them know how much you are running after them? Your love is running after me. Lord, we commit to you this year. Would you help us, Lord, pass this love on to those that don't know you? In Jesus' name. Amen. The veil tore before you 
silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to can't get here because of just some physical things thank you for your commitment to us thank you for your giving but if you don't know Jesus today we here we can't see you but we're going to pray for you we're going to pass on this love that we've experienced so wherever you are in your room we believe by faith today you are going to touch people Lord Lord we send your love in the name of Jesus we send our love to those that we can't see Lord let them know that you love them I want to tell you today that if you've tuned in and you don't know Jesus, He loves you unconditionally. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll fill those people right now watching by faith. Lord, you'll heal their bodies. Lord, you will touch their minds. Lord, you'll fill them with your presence. Lord, you'll reveal yourself to them. Lord, if they know you and they're struggling, Lord, we send our love to them. Father, let your love overflow today. And we, fill, we ask you to fill them with your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Have an amazing week. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you glory, love. Oh, no, no, no. Because death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the The praise of your glory for you
Jesus.